0: Hello and welcome to the British Sitcom History Podcast. You are listening to part two of our look at The Blackadder, series one of Blackadder. Part one was last week, so if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. We've already done a deep dive on Richard Curtis there, we've looked at his films even, well, one of them, and thrown a bit of unnecessary shade his way, but... This week we will be getting back into our episode, it's episode 4 of The Blackadder, and it's the one where he has to marry Miriam Margulies, and we're just about to get into Margulies and Jim Broadbent, so let's go!
1: Okay, so in the next scene, we have the great arrival of the Infanta. So this is, and they come as a pair. This is Miriam Margulies as the Infanta and her interpreter, played
0: by Jim Broadbent. The interpreter's name is never given in the show, but in the credits is known as Don Speak English. Oh man, that's a bad joke, eh? <laughs> well, I think you put that in the credits, not in the, like I that's say, it's just a joke. little thing in the credits. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so we've already touched on, on Jim Broadbutt, we'll come back to him in a sec. Let's talk Miriam Margulies first. So so the infant basically the characterization of the infanta is that she's this well, she's a sexual predator. She's overbearing, it's, it, lustful, and uh lustful, you know, yeah. pretty into Edmund, let's put it that way.
0: And and the overall ar- arching thing here is that she's like, Oh my god, so hideous and like, oh god, you wanna She seems like she'd be a bit of a laugh, to be honest. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's quite good fun. She's well up for it. <laughs> she has that tash she be right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah obviously she, the idea is she's fat and ugly yeah. um so who do you get who do you cast we need a fat ugly person <laughs> it's, not, it's not nice <laughs> How do you make it? that call it's really not nice <laughs> is that is that miriam margley's you know on her casting notes that's what it says um i mean these days you would probably word it more tactfully but i bet in the 80s it said that yeah wow <laughs> yeah
1: Okay, so Miriam Margulies is, is, is today, as we record this in 2023, she's still alive. Um, she is still she, she, You know, she's kind of, again, I wouldn't say she's not national treasure, but she's kind of got this status of iconoclast. You know, she's an old lady who swears, which we've established is hilarious. Uh, you yeah. know, and she's always, she's one of those people who goes on the telly and is always going to say the wrong thing. And,
0: you know, she's also, yeah, politically active and seems to be very much on the liberal side. So it has a slight anti-authority sense, but it mm. plays well with the crowd who are going to are actually listening. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. How, how could anyone possibly dislike Miriam Margulies?
1: Well, have <laughs> unpopular opinion on Miriam Margulies.
0: <laughs> Go on. Why do you hate Miriam Margulies? Well, like Miriam
1: Margulies, I'm something of an iconoclast. <clears throat> no, I just think she's a rude old lady. I, I, you, know, you, you know, you don't you don't go on this morning and start swearing at Richard Medley. That's rude. Ah, but Richard Medley's a tosser, so it's No, okay. he is. No, that was a really terrible example. No, listen, I, I, I just... I, I guess it's a little like Brian Blessed in the sense that I just don't like the shtick. I don't, it I doesn't appeal yeah, to me. I know I, what you mean. Just swearing, just saying the C word on the news is not the character. <laughs> it's, you know, <laughs> it's just rude. It's like, it's inappropriate.
0: I know what you mean, but yeah, she's, that's what, she, that's her shtick, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I think compared to Brian Blessed is probably... Listen, uh, I've I, not, I've nothing particularly
1: against Miriam Margulies, but I, I don't, I don't quite see the... You know, the the, the great love for her. Rather than than focusing on this, why don't we talk about her work as an actor? Tell me about what she's Mm. been in other than being the infanta in Blackadder.
0: Well, obviously, I'm only interested in sitcom, and she hasn't really done much Mm. uh, in that area. But she, again, another one who is a stage actor. Yeah. A character actor. You have to be a character actor when you look like that. Um, (laughs) That means you're ugly. That's what the vernacular character... uh, but yeah, you you know, if you're five foot and nothing and and overweight, you're not gonna be playing the leading lady. So uh, yeah. she is someone who's very much has come into her own as an older actor, which often happens uh, mm. with with character, character actors, actors because the the parts are there. You can play the anarchic aunt, or yeah. um, by which I mean your mother's sister, not a little, <laughs> but <laughs> but you can play that as well. Margulies has certainly played a very good trade as a voice actor. That was pretty much her stocking trade in her earlier days. Has she she ever played an aunt? I don't know, but very likely, (laughs) yes. She's done a lot of children's things and all that sort of thing. So, Yeah, and and perhaps in her later years now is is more renowned as a kind of commentator and um, general personality rather than an actor. Mm. But she still does plenty of work. I tell you what, the only kind of really good sitcom thing I could find in which she was doing anything with any regularity was um, a short run in uh, the sitcom Trollied. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, which no one's ever seen.
1: No, I never saw that. I'm familiar with it. Do you know what I just remembered? This is one of those, uh, this is one of those facts that everyone knows. Miriam Margulies was the voice of the Cadbury's Caramel Bunny, oh. which, who was the sexiest cartoon character of the 80s until Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> you just have to take it easy with Cadbury's Caramel <laughs> that's one of those facts that everyone sort of knows and I've just remembered it.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's yeah. how
1: Miriam Margolyes puts food on the table. Cabri's caramel money.
0: I guarantee she's earned more from that than Blackadder, I tell yes. you that much. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that is how you put money on the, uh, put food on the table, yeah. Uh,
1: should we talk about Jim Broadbent quickly? Let's on? talk about Jim Broadbent. So, we'll talk about the character in a sec We came across Jim Broadbent in uh Only Fools and Horses episodes.
0: About the same time as this. That was About like, the same time 80s. as this. And
1: obviously Jim Broadbent's a kind of, is he Oscar nominated actor? He's, he's a, you know. Oscar winning now. Oscar, I beg your pardon, sorry. Uh, Iris, I think he won for. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, he's a world class movie actor. But in the early 80s, mm-hmm. he was a sitcom bit part, part actor, wasn't he?
0: He was definitely uh, a bit of an up and comer in the eighties. Like everyone was already talking about him, and I think he did again a lot of theatre work and all that sort of thing. But uh, but we come across
1: was... we come across these actors, and we say, oh, he was in an episode of such and such. Oh, he popped up in in this and that. Jim Broadbent. Steals the show when he's in Only Fools and Horses. And he steals yep. the show when he's in this. There's something about him, definitely.
0: There's obviously something about him. And he was, of course, courted for the role of Del Boy in Only Fools and Horses. Yes. Couldn't do it because he was busy with other work. Uh, but that he was the choice. Um, and so they brought him in later as... Um, Slater, uh, just for a few mm. guest appearances, but yeah, like you say, the episodes he's in, they're they're well remembered because he's in them. Um, they're Slater episodes. he turns yeah. up in this, absolutely steals the show.
1: Oh, let's talk about this. Let's talk about his performance. Him and
0: Margulies are, are a double act.
1: I don't know that they are. Well, well, okay, they are. But it, it's almost like Margulies is doing the physicality and Broadbent's doing the voca- vo- vocalisation. Mm. However, Broadbent's physicality and this is brilliant as well. The way he just the way he leans in, the ingratiating mm. grin, the timing. The the accent is funny. It's, it's such a good performance.
0: Edmundo, que tal es? Now, Edmund, what's he like? Well, I told you, this pudding... <laughs> no, 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 no. In la cama. Now, what's he like uh, in bed? in <laughs> bed. bed. Yes.
1: Well, in bed, he likes hot milk with just a little
0: of cinnamon.
1: No, 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 no. What is
0: like. (laughs) But I think it really works with, dare I say, Margulies is the straight man. Yeah. um, Just coin a phrase. Yeah. Because she's doing Spanish. She's doing the accent and everything. It's like, it's she sounds like a legit Spanish person, Mm -hmm. albeit she's... Caricature's physicality and everything, but but then he's the, com- the he's the the comedy. You know, he's the one kind of hitting the punchlines, and so I think it does need the two of them for that to really not work nicely. Otherwise, he's just a funny foreigner, a funny foreign voice, uh-huh. and that doesn't quite work in the same level. But it's not a Spanish accent. It's not. <laughs> it's the, not the, it. the the way he manages to. Um, I think there was a quote here from I think it was Richard Curtis. I'm going to sort of paraphrase a quote or something, but he says it's remarkable to how he managed to completely miss the rhythms of the English language to such an extent. Yeah. <laughs> the emphasis he puts on things and it, it, it is just an absolute masterclass. And you know, that's not on the page, right? He's brought that to it because the, the script is just going to have the words, right? It might say he, he pronounces them in a funny way.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. There, there, were, there were several examples where absolutely it's all in the performance, you know, I feel like I'm repeating myself. I think this is the performance of the series.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: <laughs> I don't know whether this is going to be appropriate for the podcast or not. When, uh, when my wife and I were in intimate moments, and perhaps initiating something intimate, I would often say, Oh, my love, my love. <laughs> that's, that's a 40-year-old joke. We are, of course, now getting divorced. <laughs> let's go back to let's go back to our episode so we've now set up the fact that uh blackadder is betrothed to this uh this voracious sexual predator and he's desperate to a get walrus, out of
0: it. as he believes he calls a it. walrus yes yeah. <laughs> she's not even that fat
1: okay fine it was, it was a different time so we're now he's now desperately trying to get out of this he's, he's searching for ideas and obviously now we have a percy plan and a baldrick plan Percy's plan is what I would describe as a classic Baldrick cunning plan. Pretend to be mad, mm-hmm. disguise yourself as a little pig, but crucially, say moo, not oink. That's a, that's a classic Baldrick cunning plan, isn't that it? That is a Baldrick cunning plan, yeah. Whereas Baldrick's plan is actually the plan that they go with. Make her think you prefer the company of men. But I do prefer the company of men.
0: <laughs> you don't mean like the Earl of Doncaster.
1: I do mean like the Earl of Doncaster. <laughs>
0: I, I quite like this, um, the euphemisms for homosexual. Uh, I believe the line was, he's been riding side saddle since he was 18. Do you know what? I, I want to talk about this because
1: we, we often uh, come across these older sitcoms and it's like, oh, that's a bit, you know, we couldn't say that now. I, I think this is dated all right, actually. I, I don't think you would make it now, but I, it's not offensive. It's It's, you know, it's, Light-hearted and jocular rather than anything offensive.
0: I put the same thing, something along the lines of, considering this was the early 80s, I think they get away with this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But is that because they're the alternative comedians of the 80s? Uh, perhaps, perhaps. It, it's very much about effeminacy and, and campness, uh, yeah. representing homosexuality, I guess.
1: Yeah. There's a scene here, There's a scene, this scene he, he practices being the Earl of Doncaster, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of mugging. This is basically the Rowan Atkinson I dislike, it's, it's pure faced Rowan
0: Atkinson.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I don't like the scene, but I didn't dislike the scene because I felt it was homophobic. I disliked the scene because it was crap, it's just that physical mm-hmm. comedy that I don't like. Okay, so the plan is being put into action. So now we're back in the sort of throne room. Uh, Edmund's all dressed up and he's got rouge on his cheeks. He is, He's is fully Earl of Doncastered. The mm-hmm. King comes in. Uh, he says, morning, Doncaster, which is quite funny. <laughs> yeah. Harry comes along and thinks it's all a, a,
0: a lark. Stag do. Yeah. My favourite bit here, actually... <laughs> I think the funniest thing in the whole thing Prince Henry's fruit based speech yeah. do yeah. <laughs> you want, I want to just want to run my best man speech by you uh, I thought perhaps I'd go for a fruit motif
1: yes. something like uh, it is with extraordinary pleasure that we welcome you uh, may you be the apple of your husband's eye <laughs> and may he in turn cherries you <laughs> cherish you see
0: <laughs> even though it's an orange marriage <laughs> i think that's really good just, stuff
1: do you know i got a better
0: <laughs> laugh out of you there than i did out of the uh, robert east's delivery of it <laughs> but it's it's obviously delivered in the sense that oh my god look, what a crap speech but i think that's good that's good material <laughs> that's solid that is really solid <laughs> it's a plum of a speech
1: Okay, so next in, uh, the Infanta comes in and this is it now. She's going to see him, realise th- that he's a uh, ride side saddle and be disgusted and storm off back to Spain. That's how the plan is supposed to work. However, yes. she simply thinks he's dressed as a Spaniard.
0: <laughs> yes, gay or European? Yes. <laughs> the eternal yes. question, yeah. He's wearing the traditional garb of a Spaniard. So she's overjoyed with it. The plan backfires.
1: There's more, there's more brilliant broadband action here as well.
0: Yes, of course. So now now we need another plan. Plan B? Plan B is that he needs
1: to be married to someone else. So we get we get a montage. <laughs> yes. As we are setting up this rushed wedding between Blackadder and Tully Applebottom is this sort of mm. giggling farm girl. And I've got to say it, it's funny because she's fat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jeez. I don't think it's that's the general concept here. She's just a bit of a a rosy cheeked kind of farming. Oh, farm, oh sure. <laughs> sure. Let's go with ruddy cheeked. Absolutely. <laughs> did you recognise her? I I did. Tell me tell me where I recognized her from. Well she's Jane Freeman and she is best known because she's the woman who runs the cafe in Last of the Summer Wine. Ah, so yes. she was in that for yes. 40 years. So yeah, that's pretty much what she's known for, yeah.
1: Okay, so, so we're setting up this wedding and with much hilarity we find out that Tully Applebottom is already married, thus scuppering yes. the plan by the arrival of her husband. And I definitely recognised her husband. Yeah. This is um, Howard Lou Lewis. He, this yeah. is Elmo from Brushstrokes. So anyone's my age, uh, yes, it's yes, Elmo
0: the Bruce barman Bruce from Brushstrokes. Strokes. That's who it is. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because for my age, he's the guy in Maid Marian and a Merry Men. That's oh, who yeah. I know him from. Now, uh, yeah, so
1: that, I'm a little bit too old for that. I, I do remember it, but, but not in the same way as you would. Mm.
0: But perhaps that could be a good way to segue into talking about Tony Robinson.
1: Oh, you mean the... Uh... Famous socialist archaeologist, Sir Tony, Robert, Tony Robinson.
0: <laughs> yes, who, of course, one of his big shows was Made Marion and Her Merry Men in mm. the 90s, in which he doesn't really act particularly. Um, it's funny, I don't think of Tony Robinson as an actor. No, um, I've only ever really does, seen him do both. Act. Now, we saw him, do you remember we saw him in the 70s
1: remake of The Rag Trade? Yes. Uh, yeah, the uh, pilot Dylan. Reg Varney role. But... Oh, was it just the pilot? Okay. B- but yeah. that aside, that's literally the only other thing I've ever seen him in, other than Blackadder.
0: Yeah, I did have a quick look actually at his uh, acting credits, see if there's any sitcom stuff. Mm. Most recently, he was a um, semi regular in Man Down.
1: You know what? I'd forgotten that.
0: But yes, yes, he was. He plays yep. this crazy old man. Yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, but there's a big chunk of about 20 years there where he was mostly presenting Time Team and things like that. So well, he he and was, he, he was, you know, I'm sort
1: of joking that. about Socialist Knighthood, but he, he, he was very politically active. I think he was head of the Actors' Union, wasn't he? And he was part of the TUC. Uh, I don't think,
0: I think he was the deputy head, but. Yeah, he was very involved. He was very active, yeah. Uh, apart from Blackadder, the only thing I can really associate him with is Maid Marian and a Merry Men, which is essentially a sitcom. It's, it's a kid's mm. show. Kid's but, sitcom, know, it's a definitely. Kids sitcom. He's in an episode of Blue Heaven, apparently, which I've okay. definitely seen, but I don't recall. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a big part of an 80s sketch show called Who Dares Wins. I was wondering if oh, you know. Oh, yeah,
1: probably. I do remember Who Dares Wins. That was uh, Rory McGrath, Philip Mulville. The, the, yeah, the people yeah. who ended up making Chelmsford 123, if you want to make a sitcom
0: connection. Which Howard Lou Lewis is in Chelsea. He was. Yes, uh, he was. He wasn't, yeah. So, you know, he's part of that whole world in the 80s. um, But, yeah, I mean, Baldrick is obviously what he'll be remembered for. That's uh, the first line of his obituary, I think. Yeah. Baldrick dies. But still alive as we record... Um, and doing, doing, doing well. We, we seem to have hit the sweet spot with 1983 as people who might pop off in the next few weeks before I edit this. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, well, I mean, fair play to them all. They're all doing well, aren't they? They're all, they're all, they're all had good innings between them.
0: Tony Robinson was a child actor. Did you know that? If you Google him, you can find a little picture of him as a teenager playing the Artful Dodger. Oh yeah, um, okay. Because you know, it looks really funny, just a young and as a teenager, because he's like five foot four or whatever he is, he would have you know ply quite a good trade playing younger kids than you actually yep. are. Yeah, it can be quite a quite a handy thing to have as a, mm-hmm. as a teenager. You know, went to drama school, all that. Uh, went into rep. Apparently, did most of his rep at the West Yorkshire Playhouse in Leeds. Uh, I'm sure okay. you're familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. But Baldrick, very much a breakthrough character. You know, and he's not a young man here. He's well into his thirties this is what made him famous
1: before this how was Tony Robinson making his living was he uh, brushing fossils
0: he was no <laughs> I don't think there was any of that going on that's very much a later <laughs> thing but he does seem to have an interest in history doesn't he he's certainly because uh... I, I honestly don't know was he just brought in as a presenter we need a bit of no, personality no to present no the time idea. team was he actually interested in that he's turned because he's presented all sorts of things like oh the worst jobs in history and all that sort of thing he's mm. done all of it yeah, he's obviously interested yeah. in that and he, and I think uh, that Fine job at it as well. Bring you know, really does something like we're going to do archaeology like live on TV. We need someone with the personality to to help us along. Well, I
1: mean, it's a terrible idea, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, how did it work so well?
1: Well, I don't. You did, but uh, (laughs) people like different things, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, and everyone likes Tony Robinson, right? uh...
1: I don't know. I I, I've got you might have to cut this because it might be libelous because I've got nothing to back this up. But I've just got in my head he's a bit of a git. (laughs) I I don't know where I've got that from, but I I just I've heard on the grapevine that Tony Robinson's a bit of a git.
0: I don't know about that. Everyone's a bit ornery sometimes. Um, I get him at the wrong time. Far be it from me to cast aspersions. One last actor to talk about is Tim McInerney. Tim McInerney? Let's just talk about him because, again, I've seen him in loads of stuff. But mm. I couldn't particularly place him anywhere except Blackadder.
1: Yeah, I I don't think of him as a sitcom actor. I, I, what, when I looked at his I, CV, when I think yeah, not about sitcom, Tim really. McInerney, I think uh, obviously Blackadder first. And then the second thing I think is he's playing a, an old Tory MP caught in a sex scandal. That sort of that's yeah. that's the kind of thing he does.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's no, that, you know, I had a look, quick look. There's no obvious sort of sitcom uh, trivia to get into here. I don't think he was brought in. As a bit of comedy flavor, I, because he's the same age as mm. Richard Curtis, they were at Oxford, albeit that's mm. a big place. <laughs> mm. He's not in not the Nighthawk News. He's yeah. not in Spitting Image. You know, he's like he. This is his first thing. I don't think he was brought in as one of the old Oxford boys. Um, although I'm sure it didn't hurt. Yeah, I was going to say maybe. <laughs> but I don't think they came up together in that sense.
1: He's. A, I mean, he's a character actor. I know
0: that you've made that into a dreadful euphemism, but he is a character actor. <laughs> Alright, well that's that's our cast, I suppose. We never mentioned actually, just speaking of actors. Jim Broadbent has one does have one sort of sitcom lead. Uh uh-huh. The Peter Principle. Do you remember oh, that? Oh yeah. I do remember that, yes. Pretty basic office based sitcom thing there, yeah. I don't remember that I, I watched that. I, I,
1: I get I watched that when it went out, I suppose. I've certainly not seen it since. Mm. And yeah, I don't remember point, it with yeah. any great affection. Okay, let's let's go let's finish off our episode then. So we've had that uh, sham marriage uh, broken up by elmo from brushstrokes we're back to uh, the infanta who's meeting with the queen now we haven't really talked about the queen so this is edmund's mum mm. and there's there's a th- this scene is n- neither here nor there it doesn't really add much to the narrative but there's a bit more but, fun, excellence. It? but let's let's jump off and talk about is it elspeth
0: gray elspeth gray yes who elspeth, yes I think gets lost in this series as a character, as, mm, as someone that should totally. be a principal character. Uh, and like you're saying, the, the scene she has a fairly kind of meh. uh but she, yeah. nothing nothing wrong with the performance or anything. It's just, I think it's just not, there's nothing there to really do. But Elspeth Grey, yeah, we've seen her before a couple of times. Oh, have uh, we? Yeah. Tell me. She's she's not someone who is particularly like a sitcom um, actor, but enough little guest appearances that we can talk about here. Uh, She was, of course, married to Brian Rick's all throughout Uh. their careers, and so she was kind of part of that set, farce or Whitehall farce, and all that. Their children are in are in comedy world as well. One of them best known as the mum off of the Kevin and Perry sketches. Oh yeah.
1: Okay, I know exactly. I don't know her name, but I know exactly. Yeah, exactly, what you mean, she's
0: yeah. a, something Ricks, and the son it was a producer uh, who uh, started a production company with Nigel Planer, and they made, amongst other things, My Hero, uh, ah, Faith okay. in the Future, and loads of kids' shows as well. Um, so yeah. he was a producer, really, I think. But you know, it's a it's a family thing. I think. Is
1: that Louisa Ricks? Because I think I just saw her in an episode of Miranda.
0: Yes, yes, she is. There you Miranda. go. Yes. Yes. So. That's what's great. We've seen her before. Where? Okay. Faulty Towers. She is a psychiatrist and Basil yeah. keeps thinking everything's yeah. about sex. And yeah. she was in an episode of Dinner Ladies.
1: She's she one of the mothers when they She's all their mothers one of the come the mothers. Here.
0: She's Celia Imri's mother, who is a bit oh, posh yeah. and puts okay. Her down.
1: Okay. I remember the character, but
0: I can't, I can't quite picture mm. her. Yes, and she's very different here because she's doing a kind of Flanders accent, whatever that is, and mm-hmm. um, and she's she's always got this kind of head thing on that covers her hair up. Her, her, her real one kind of regular sitcom thing was in Solo. She was Felicity Kendall's mother in Solo. Oh, okay. All right. But yes, Lost in the mix, I think, don't you? Yeah, yeah.
1: The whole series? Not, I don't think... I don't have any negative to say about this character, but I haven't really got much positive either. It's just... There's one of the episodes, uh, the one after this, Witch Smell of She
0: she plays a bit more of a role in that. But even then,
1: you know, it's just... Yeah, she doesn't jump out, does she?
0: Yeah, to say she is quite fundamental to how the plot falls together. Yeah. Shame. Mm actually come to think of it it's just just i hadn't thought of this while i was watching it but is she the only regular female character and we are saying she is completely underserved yeah, in the mix perhaps, uh, absolutely, perhaps yeah. that's saying something yeah well if, I mean, you could say that about all the black adder series couldn't you oh certainly yeah okay we'll deal with that later
1: so the next scene, then, we go to Edmund's stag party, which is a very depressing scene. And it's obviously just the three of them, him, Baldrick, and Percy. Mm. And they come up with the final plan. This, this one can't fail. They get the idea that if we can, they can prove the Infanta is not a virgin, then he won't have to marry her. And the only way they can think of to do that is to send Baldrick in there to deflower her. <laughs> yeah. But I'll die in there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's such a lovely plaintive line. <laughs> And they they send him off like they're sending him off over the top.
1: <laughs> There's, well, I've written down here. This is like the final scene of Black out of Four. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we see him later and he's just bruised and battered. It's like my God, yeah. like she he looks like he had been beaten up. Yeah. And of course, it comes to nothing. So the next, the, the final scene is the wedding scene. It comes to nothing. Blackadder does this big reveal that she's not a virgin. It's just brushed off by the king. He says, "Oh, it doesn't matter. Only one of you has to be a virgin." So on we go. Not and sure then that's just, really true,
0: man. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that's true.
1: <laughs> just in the nick of time, our messenger arrives. Yes. And he brings news, which uh, there's a funny scene in which uh, Brian Blessed guesses the news exactly. And it yeah. just it essentially means that he no longer needs to ally with Spain. The wedding's off, go home to Spain, clear off. And, uh, and so therefore, Edmund's going to have to marry someone else. So he now has to marry the beautifully named Princess Leia of Hungary. Mm. And uh, we go back to our beautiful princess that we saw earlier. Do you remember earlier we saw these beautiful princesses and we thought, yeah. oh, this is one of these is going to be Edmund's bride, and it turned out to be Miriam Moggley's. This time mm. we had the same thing, and the reveal is Princess Leia is seven years old. She's missing her front teeth, and she's just a child. Yes,
0: which I think is quite a nice little. Okay, what's the what's the uh, punchline here? You know, it's, a it's nice, not a bad punchline gag. Do, do you think it's slightly undermined by when they show us the beautiful princesses? They all look really young. One of them's definitely about fourteen. <laughs> 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 they would have been like, acceptable. Feels like it it's slightly undermines the joke, but um, yes, uh, obviously, in the arranged marriage world, the age isn't really relevant. It's a political issue, mm-hmm. and so they are they are married, and and then so Blackadder is then stuck with a. <laughs> Uh, this kid that he has to amuse and reads her a bedtime story which is quite sweet really yeah yeah it is it is kind of like he's still the loser but at least she's not fat <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's very true there is a bit of a postscript here mm. or should i say prescript because there was a pilot episode that was unaired it was an unaired pilot and yeah it has come to light in in the years since. Well, can, can I ask you about, before we talk about it, you, you sent me
1: this a couple of days ago and I watched it. And I, mm. yeah, it come to light. I didn't even know this was a thing. I didn't even know it
0: existed. Where, where did you find it? Well, I found it on the internet, but I don't, it's, I don't think it's ever been officially released in any mm. sense, so i do not quite sure where it's come from, but there's a pretty good quality version of it on the internet, if you care to look.
1: And you said earlier that this was made a year before the actual series, so can, can you fit mm. this in terms of the production? Is there, was this the BBC saying, right, Richard Curtis, Rowan Atkinson, show us what you can do?
0: Yeah, pretty much. It was a test of concept, because I guess they were going to have to put some money into it. Um, yeah. You'll notice that the pilot does not have the sort of sumptuous location shots. It's all kind of set on a stage. Yeah. And the, the the plot of the episode is largely what we see in one of the episodes of uh, the series itself.
1: It's the one with Macangus, the the, the one with the, the French, Scottish... Uh... With the Squatsman.
0: With some differences, but a lot of similarities.
1: Yeah, it's very similar. Uh, but the, the main difference, I think the most notable differences for us to, to talk about is the casting differences. So we have... Obviously, Rowan Atkinson. we got Tim McInerney as he's in place. He, he had oddly dyed black hair, which was, uh, which was a little odd, but, but basically the same character. Baldrick is played by um, an actor whose face I recognised. I, I did mm. Google him, Philip Fox, his name. Yeah. And
0: perhaps you can tell me a little bit more about him, but I did recognise his face. Yeah, he's just one of those faces. He's in loads of stuff. I, I'll tell you the one thing that I really was like, oh, that's where I know him from. It was an episode of I'm Alan Partridge. He plays an estate agent who's showing Alan around a house. Okay. That'll be it. That will be it. That's, <laughs> that was the one thing where I went, ah, yes. But you look at his CV, you know, it's littered with one-off sitcom roles, but there's nothing yeah. particularly to hold on to there.
1: So That was a big difference. But that, the character, well, it was very similar to how we've described Baldrick in this for this series. Mm. So not, not the Baldrick that we know from later series, but certainly it was there in place for this series.
0: Yeah. Uh, we've got Robert Bathurst as as the plantain. Robert Bathurst again toast of London. Yes, and another one who pops up in sitcoms all the time. He was in uh, he was in Red Dwarf, of course. Robert Bathurst, of course. Yes, yes. Uh, Elspeth Grey is the Queen still, and then John we've Savedant. got I say, I say it, it's John Savident. John Savident <laughs> as the king. Yeah,
1: and and frankly, I will take him over, blessed any day.
0: <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> the most notable thing that everyone always thinks when they watch this is how the Blackadder character in this particular incarnation is much more akin mm. to the later Blackadder than we get in the first series. Yes. Uh, which I think speaks to how they have not really figured out what they were doing with it. Uh, because it's not that it doesn't work here in the world. oh, well, let's make him more snivelly and weaselly. It, it doesn't feel mm. like that's what they tried to do, is it? Did you think it was better than what we got? Or? Yeah. I, well, yeah, I do actually.
1: I, I think it was. There was some like production bits where you know it felt like it hadn't quite been finished. Do you know what I mean? But that's that's the nature of a pilot. I that's suppose. a pilot. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 you can forgive that. But yeah, I think the episode worked really well, and you're right about the characterization of Blackadder.
0: I think it worked better. I'll tell you what stood out to me. There's a big fight sequence. They, they Blackadder and the and the, the Scotsman. Yeah. Have so a... he, he and Macangus have this huge fight, and it, it lasts quite a long time, and it's. Well choreographed fight scene. Yeah, and they're like you know doing the whole Errol Flynn kind of going up the staircase fighting kind of thing. Uh, Yeah. And what was interesting about that is a you know it's not funny. It's a fight scene. There's not really any gags in it. And when we do this scene in the episode proper, Blackadder holds out his sword and he's immediately smashed in half. Yes.
1: Uh,
0: And there is no fight. Uh, He's just immediately sort of emasculated and. uh, I I
1: think that the character of Blackadder, as we see it in this series, is not capable of that
0: fight. Yes. But in the pilot, he is, yes. Yeah, yeah. But interesting, like, that's a lot of effort to go to. Even if you've got actors who have done a bit of stage combat experience, that's still Mm. a lot of effort to teach them. That would have taken a while to choreograph, wouldn't it? I feel like Rowan Atkinson is not the sort of, you know, the way he came into acting is not through, I went to drama school and, um, you know, did stage Mm. combat as a standard procedure. So I feel like they probably had to teach him from scratch.
1: Well, I definitely, yeah, I, I mean, like you say, that's available on the internet, easily findable. So I recommend people go and have a look at that if they can.
0: Can I ask you a little bit about the series in general, about the history that was involved? Yeah. Because this is very much posited as an alternative history. We, we kind well, of I'm go on. I'm a fan
1: off... of alternative history. I like, the, I think the, the word that they use is counterfactual history. Some, some butterfly flapped its wings in a different direction. What would the impact? And the, the first episode of Blackadder... Is that that butterfly flap? So the Battle of Bosworth, where uh, Richard the Third is killed and Henry the Tudor takes over, that's our history. But in this timeline, essentially, what we're saying is that Henry the Seventh loses, or Henry Tudor loses, and Richard the Third carries on. And so the first episode of that is is a kind of alternative Battle of Bosworth. We see that Brian Blessed is Richard the Fourth.
0: Right, so he's supposed to be one of the princes in the tower, right? Yes. So Despite why the like fact that he's in his forties, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> well, it
1: doesn't quite hang together perfectly. <laughs> so Brian Blessed in this scenario is Peter Cook's son. Yes, but Peter
0: Cook is killed. No, no, in the no Not by. He's one of the princes of the tower. That's true. He's yes, his, nephew. He's his brothers. Yeah. kid. Yeah.
1: So Brian Blessed is is killed not by um, Henry Tudor. No, so, Brian Blessed hmm. is So hang on, hang on, hang on. So. Peter Cook is not killed by Henry Tudor as he is in real life, but he's killed by a bumbling blackadder who chops the head off the wrong
0: person. Yes,
1: and that's kind of that's kind of how the episode plays out. He's trying to cover up the fact that he's killed the king.
0: But they did in fact win the Battle of Bosworth Field, so the next in line becomes king. That is Brian Blessed. The
1: entire scenario here is what would have happened if the Battle of Bosworth had gone the other way. I looked, at, but then I looked at the other episodes and sort of with a sort of amateur historical eye on them. So right. in episode two, this is the one with the Scotsman. The thing that this is hung on is the fact that Richard's been off on crusade along with Macangus and they're back from their crusades. And Macangus gets all of Edmund's lands in Scotland as a reward.
0: Mm.
1: Now, I don't think there are any crusades going on in the late <laughs> 1400s. I, I I looked it up because I thought that's too late for the crusades. And there are many different definitions of what a crusade is. The only thing I could pro- that that would have been around the same time is it, it it was about the same time that the, the Spanish were driving the Muslims out of Iberia. They call it the Reconquista. And so they probably would have described that as a crusade, a holy war. But there, certainly no, there were certainly no English nobles fighting in that war. No. Episode three is the one where Edmund becomes Archbishop of Canterbury. And this yeah. is, this is, there's a whole riff in this episode about when Thomas Beckett was killed by Henry yeah. II. Who, the story is that Henry the II was lamenting the pain in the backside that Beckett had become. And he said, Who will rid me of this turbulent priest? And these two drunk knights heard that and they went off and killed Beckett. And so we actually see that being replayed in this episode. Of course, that feels like a very revisionist version of history doesn't it i think <laughs> what actually happened was henry the Second said will someone please go and kill beckett for me <laughs> He's really and two annoying. blokes did
0: <laughs> yeah
1: but but that happened 300 years before the time the, the, you know the time that this is supposed to be set
0: it does feel like what they're doing here is rather than trying to be obviously historically accurate obviously that's not what they're doing it's almost parodying what you learned at school, um, yes. and it, it, that also feels like what you get from if you watch Upstart Crow. Yes, it's not really parodying Shakespeare; it's parodying the kind of the the atmosphere around Shakespeare and how it's taught, and and mm. sort of all those yeah. little kind of gags that people would make about it. Oh, actually, it's just this and that. You know, it, it's picking it apart yeah yeah and it feels it feels like that's what they're doing really so it's like yeah we're going to do a whole thing about witches um but it's not really historically accurate it's just about well kind of uh, well actually the
1: you know the, the the witch smeller episode was probably not that inaccurate really mm-hmm. you know obviously the details of it were, were a, a fictional but this is round about the time where the pope was declaring witches a danger and, and the, the whole witch finder thing was really getting underway If you think about like the witch finder general, Matthew Hopkins was, was Mm. later than this. He was like 150 years later. You think, you think witch finder, I don't know about you, but I think of someone in a Puritan outfit, you know, that Mm. middle 1600s, that kind of thing. And that's Mm. certainly true. But there, there, there would have been women being burned as witches during this period. Definitely
0: it's weird because here in this Frank Finlay seems to be dressed up as a badger. (laughs) 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 That's true. That's That's it. But again, again, we've talked about that, that casting, you know, that,
1: Frank Finlay is a proper classical actor. He's not a comedian. Mm. He's not a sitcom actor. And then the final episode, Blackadder gathers together the six most evil men in the kingdom and attempts a coup d'etat. And the, this episode ends with everybody dying, basically, which es- establishes the precedent for everybody dying in the final episode of, the Black, of Blackadder. Um, and and I, I guess that puts us back onto our timeline that Henry Tudor became king and here we are. That's it, I suppose yeah. that's, the, that's exactly, the way they yeah. reset things. Uh, but but again, the, the, these six most evil men, you know, those actors are all they're all they're all straight actors. There's not a comedian among them, really.
0: Well, definitely some of them I know from comedy stuff. Yeah, but, Roger
1: uh, in there, isn't he? Yeah, but but you you know what I mean? They're not they're they're, they're like scenery chewing hammy actors.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that was like you said, that's the idea: getting these classic stage actors to give this the feel of a I iClaudius kind of stagey TV production. Yeah, but is it funny? Well, okay. let's
1: let's let's finish off with that, because remember, I said at the beginning that the received wisdom about Blackadder is that it's it was a it was a poor start and not a patch on the others. And that was my opinion before I rewatched it. So having rewatched it, I will say that I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I thought more of it than I remembered, but it's not a patch on the other three.
0: Yes, I largely agree with that. I I definitely don't like it as much as the later series. I feel like it's yeah, it's loose. It hasn't figured out what it is yet. It feels like yeah. a first draft. And mm-hmm. perhaps that's exactly what we got. Like for example, that f- the first episode I think is really not in format and, mm-hmm. and not in a good way. I, I find it. I found it really odd when I discovered there was a pilot because that first episode feels like a pilot, and then they the yeah. later series is like they okay, we've worked yeah. out what we're doing with it. Maybe they're just having to get too much narrative into that first episode. Uh, but you know, you've got Peter Cook. As a ghost and all this sort of stuff, that it's all a bit clunky. It, mm. it doesn't feel like format of a sitcom. Yeah. Loads of location stuff. Whereas the bulk of the the series, perhaps the last episode is, is an exception, but the bulk of the series feels more like, okay, this is our situation. What are our characters yeah. up to this week? The last one is a bit format breaking, but I'm more forgiving of that because it's a sort of end of the series. We're kind of yeah. throwing everything out, kind of thing. Don't know if it works that well, but there we go. So yeah, it feels like a first draft, and you know what we got for this, as the second draft was a lot better. <laughs> it's yeah. It's just all tightened up a little bit, and they've figured out what they're doing and obviously the the main we'll talk about this next time we deal with it, but the main big change was that Rowan Atkinson left the writing staff, and Ben Elton came in now that seems to be mm. the the turning point yeah. how, how much did that affect it? Is he better writer of structure rather than just gags, or who knows
1: well, I think we've talked about this before, haven't we about ben elton but but yeah, he's a writer, he's a bloody good mm. writer,
0: okay um I've got one last thing I want to put out a bit of a question to other people out there because. You can get like the full scripts published in a book uh, mm. of all the Blackadder, which I haven't got to hand unfortunately, because I've got a question that someone out there will know the answer to. There's a particular scene in this episode that we've looked at, in which Brian Blessed playing about with his horses and little men, uh, you know, plotting out the the mm. uh, battles, and at, at one point he gets angry and smashes a horse into the ground, and its legs break off because it's obviously made of polystyrene or something. Yeah. And he kind of, at the end of the scene, after everything's finished, he holds it up and goes, fresh horses, which yeah. seems to be to be an ad lib. It seems to be just kind of Brian Blessed off the cuff because they can't have known it was going to break for a start. But also he kind of looks okay. off camera in a kind of like, "Ooh, should I do this kind of way?
1: And that's a good observation. I I, 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 I saw that line and thought, oh, that's very clever because that's his line yeah. earlier on in the, you
0: know, but
1: I didn't I didn't thought it was ad lib. Yeah
0: it feels like it is to me just on the vibe so I wonder if anyone's so you're asking is it in script. the script is it in the script and particularly if those I presume the script books that are published are the original scripts rather mm, than they might not be what actually went out I don't know but they if anyone transcripts mm. that would be an interesting just little bit of trivia it would me. be interesting let me know mm.
1: So we will return to to see Edmund in his later incarnations. I'm not exactly sure when, certainly not in this series, but we will be back to Blackadder at some point.
0: Well, Gareth, we've said this week, we don't think we've really represented women very well this week. Uh, So shall we try and change that next time? Yeah.
1: So I already mentioned that I saw Louisa Ricks in an episode of Miranda.
0: Why are you watching Miranda, Gareth?
1: It's Because I'm watching all of the episodes of Miranda in preparation for our next podcast. Yes. Next week's show will be about Miranda and we will let Mm. you know which episode we're going to cover. Uh, on our yeah. social media channels
0: Yes, nice change of pace I think A little precursor, I've watched bits and pieces of Miranda it seems fine to me, relatively harmless fun, I've never really dived into it properly so how will I react?
1: You know I dislike physical comedy and farce. Oh dear Let's let's wait and see what I think of Miranda She's a real
0: character actor though Miranda Hull. that's the... <laughs>
1: <laughs> On that bombshell Let's uh, let's wrap up Thank you so much. I really enjoyed. I, I, I genuinely enjoyed watching this again. And yeah. like I say, it, it's, I, I don't think it's as good as the others, but I, I certainly enjoyed it more than my memory of it. If you would like to follow us on social media, please do. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at BritComPod. Or if you go on Facebook and just search for the British Sitcom History Podcast, you'll find us there. Thanks, everyone. And we will see you with Miranda next week. Bye. Thank you.
0: Bye.